welcome to Marysville Church of Christ podcast. My name is Bishop Darby, and I'll be your host today. Welcome back to 20 Questions. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. We hit some technical difficulties. We lost some recordings, but we are back and better than ever with a question that has been asked multiple times over the last couple of weeks. What exactly happened in the book of Job? Now, by no means am I going to be able to, in a 10 to 11 minute podcast, answer every question that you'll have on the book of Job. But my objective is to at least give you a new jumping off point, a way for you to reconsider the story through the lens of the cross. See, a lot of us believe that the story of Job is a story in which God, seemingly for no purpose, allows Satan to abuse Job for some kind of test as if God is testing Job's faith. And this test seemingly has no other purpose than to just prove how good God is and how good his followers are. It's a test that on one side of the scale has gratuitous amount of suffering in the loss of family members, personal health, and finances, economic uncertainty, and all that. And on the other side, vindication for Job's own goodness? It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you put the cross as the center understanding of of God. Could we imagine Jesus allowing Satan to inflict pain, such utter pain, on someone he loves? Could we imagine Jesus idly standing by as Satan destroyed Job's family? Well, no, I don't think we can. And as we've been covering in our Thoughts for Thursday on the YouTube channel, If we ever come across a depiction of God that doesn't look and reflect Jesus Christ perfectly, then we have to ask the question, what else is going on? So what else is going on in this text? What is actually happening? And what exactly is this story trying to prove to us? I'm going to argue today that there are two major objectives in the book of Job. The first is to answer the age-old problem of evil. Why do bad things happen? The second is to challenge a broken view of theology that was held throughout the Old Testament. So let's begin by just kind of talking about this story and how it relates to those two points. First, let's kind of read what the text says. Now the day came, this is uh, Job chapter 1 verse 6. Now the day came when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan arrived among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord from roving about on the earth and from walking back and forth across it. In this moment, there's a lot happening that if we miss, we're going to miss the understanding of this prologue. First, the sons of God were a group of angelic beings written about in passages like Psalm 82, whose objective was to rule over earth, to help protect earth. Notice here that Satan wasn't invited, but Satan kind of crashed the party. And the Lord even addressed that when he asked him the question, why are you here? Where have you come from, Satan? And Satan's response is very, uh, is very important for us to understand what his intent is. He's basically saying, look at the earth, God. Where do you mean where have I come from? I've, I've been roaming over this place that is now full of darkness and destruction and violence. He is instigating a fight with God. He's saying, look at the creation you had, God, and now look at it. Where do you mean, where have I come from? You can clearly see the the path I have been treading. 
And so the Lord countered in the defense, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on, on one like him on the earth, a pure and upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. So Satan lobbies an attack against God to which God offers a defense. And then Satan attacks God again in verse nine. Is it not for nothing that Job fears God? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his livestock have increased the land, but extend your hand and strike everything he has and he will no doubt curse you to your face. One thing that we need to understand is that the way God and, and the angelic world engages in combat, it's not through swords and spears, but it's through a series of accusations. We see this throughout the Bible. In the book of Jude, we're learning in Jude uh, verse 9, we learn of a conflict between Michael, the archangel, and Satan disputing, arguing, accusing one another on behalf of the body of Moses. We see in Zechariah chapter 3, Satan accusing uh, Joshua, the high priest, and the angel of the Lord defending against the way spiritual conflict works is through a war of the words in which one side fights another side and they argue back and forth until one is proved righteous and one unrighteous. That is the form of, uh, of conflict in the spiritual realm. So in this moment, what we actually have is a battle between Satan and the Lord. Satan accusing God, talking about his victory on the earth, the Lord defending uh, his, his war on the earth by talking about Job. And then Satan goes in for the kill here in verse 9 through 11, where he accuses God of unrighteousness. This is a direct assault on God's personal um, right, uh, goodness. What he's saying to God is, you have pretended that people love you because they want to. You have pretended that, that you've given them the choice to choose you or not choose you, but in actuality, you're a liar. Because the only reason people love you is because you unrighteously take the choice out of their hands. You give them too much. You, de you defend them too much. You never allow them to actually have choice. Satan here is assailing God's wisdom and character by alleging that he is some Machiavellian tyrant in which God protects them and blesses them in order to cultivate obedience. If this is true and God is this, then the love that we have for God is not found, it's not real, it's coerced. If, it's, if Satan is right on his accusation of God, then God in and of himself is a liar. Because he has told us from the beginning of time that we can choose to love him or not. And now, maybe not. So, in this moment, God has found himself under attack. And according to the confines of spiritual warfare, he does the only thing he can do. He has to let the fight play out. Otherwise, if he were to stop Satan right then and there, he proves that he is a Machiavellian tyrant. If he does exactly, if he defends himself by silencing Satan right here, he proves Satan right. So he waits. And he tries to defend his righteousness. But what's interesting about this is that Satan tries a temptation in the midst of his accusation in verse 11. He tells God, extend your hand and strike him. But the Lord responds, all right, then everything he has is in your power. Notice he refuses to engage in the violence. He refuses to engage in the suffering. But he has to relinquish the control in order for the spiritual conflict to work. In order for his vindication to come. What I find amazing is that in this moment, to break it all down and summarize it, 
Satan accuses God of unrighteousness. And God, on the, on the stand, gets to choose his own defense attorney. And who he chooses is Job. Now, there's a lot in there that I would like to unpack, but we don't have time for. For instance, would God choose me? I don't think so. I don't think there's any way in the world God would choose me. How amazing it is that God's righteousness, God's vindication all rested solely on the back of Job. God was willing to trust Job so much. Satan went on to do all the horrible things that we know of in the book. He destroyed Job's family. He killed. He he plundered. But God wouldn't allow him to attack Job directly. That was until chapter 2 when, again, <clears throat> the spiritual conflict between Satan and God continues. And again, God, according to the rules of spiritual conflict, can confine Satan only so far without proving him right. What this reveals to me <clears throat> is that this reveals the understanding of the problem of evil. Where does the evil of Job's life come from? The answer is not God. The answer is God did not do this. God did not choose to torment Job for some arbitrary test. No, the reason Job was suffering was because he found himself in a matrix of spiritual conflict. God is trying to answer the problem of evil by talking about the fact that there is a complex universe that we find ourselves in. There are things that happen that we can't see or understand. Job had no conception of why this was happening to him. But it's important to understand that all of this is the result of spiritual conflict. The problem of evil happened because we are in a war-torn place. Job was suffering under the attacks and assaults of Satan, the same way God was suffering under the assaults and the attacks of Satan. Job's suffering had a singular source, and it was the spiritual conflict that rages through the heavens. So why does suffering happen to you and I today? Well, I think it happens because we find ourselves in a deeply complex, war-torn universe. Consistently throughout this book, God is proving that to Job. He keeps trying to reiterate that to Job. For instance, in Job 38, what does he say? He has answers for why Job is suffering. He goes, he, he, where were you in, in Job chapter 38, uh, verse 4 onward? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I placed the measurements? Where were you when I, where were you when I? He's going through the complexity of the universe, the complexity of, of, of things happening around him. What he's saying to Job is that you are caught in something you don't understand. You are caught in a matrix of something you don't understand. And I can't go through and pull out every reason why suffering is happening because you are under the pressure of thousands of years of free moral agency. You are under the assault of, of darkness and powers that you, you'll never be able to understand. So he looks at Job and says, look around you and look how complex everything is. Look how confusing everything is. The matrix you find yourself in is vast. And then he goes on in verses 40 and uh, 41 to talk about cosmic monsters. In the ancient Near East, these were uh, these are frequently used in the Bible to represent evil, especially the Leviathan, chapter 41. We see that throughout the books of Psalms, especially Asaph's Psalms. We see that uh, throughout the books of prophecy, Isaiah 41, for instance. Um, God, God uses Leviathan as kind of a representation of chaos and darkness. It's a depiction of Satan. It's a co uh, cosmic evil monster. And in chapters 40 and 41, Behemoth and then Leviathan, God is using these dark forces 
to show that not only are Job, are you suffering because the universe you're in is very complex, but you're also suffering because there are these things fighting against you. The chaos monsters are, are, are lobbying their assaults against you. He's trying to teach Job the problem of evil is cited back in the spiritual conflict and the complexity of the universe and in the forces of darkness. You are suffering today, Job, because the Leviathan, because of the universe, because of the chaotic nature of the war we're in. And Job never would understand. But then again, Job couldn't understand, right? It would be impossible for Job to understand all of that because how can you understand it without the cross? The cross is the culmination of the spiritual conflict. It's the moment when we unveil and unmask the forces of darkness and their objectives. Job had no chance of being able to understand the cosmic war. And so God tried to speak to him in a way that Job could understand. Hey, Job. You know the universe is a big and scary place, right? Just trust that I'm I'm in I'm in it and working among it. Just trust that I'm there. Hey Job, I know you're suffering and you've blamed it on different cosmic dragons. For instance, several times in the book, Job blames it on Rahab, a cosmic monster uh, from the Ugaritic text. And Satan or and uh, <clears throat> God looks at Job and says, "Job, it's those monsters, those chaos forces." You know they're out to get you. They're out to hurt humanity. God is trying to explain to Job that he can go anywhere to find the cause of suffering except for God. You can go to the world and, and say, well, you know what? This universe has just fallen. It's just broken. And God said, that's okay. You can go to the chaos monsters. You can say Leviathan and Rahab and Behemoth, they're out, out to get me. They're after me. And God's like, that's okay. The one place that Job is not allowed to go to find the problem of evil is in God. He's not allowed to blame God, which, by the way, is exactly what he did. So why did the book of why was the book of Job written? One, it was to show the problem of evil. God was not behind or responsible for the suffering of Job. No, God was held under attack by Satan. And in an act of radical love and grace, he chose Job to be the defense attorney. And Satan ravaged Job's life. But God never left him. And God even tried to explain to him that they're, at, they're in this fight together. They're in this war together. The second thing that the, the book of Job is designed to show us is a broken theology. At the end of chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. And through the remainder of the book, God is trying to change Job's mind on that. Because that is not who God is. God is not the God who gives and takes away. God is the God who gives and Satan is the one who takes away. God is the one who made the beautiful dawn, but it was Satan who corrupted it with his violent hand. So, uh, that's from Job chapter 38. It, God is the one who gives the blessing. Satan is the one who took him away. It was God who gave Job his family, who gave Job his fields, who gave Job his money, who gave Job his happiness. And it was Satan who took those things away. It's not that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. It's that the Lord gives and Satan takes away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. This entire book is designed to show us what is actually going on. We get a peek behind the curtain of suffering. And as we look back, we see Oz great and terrible in the face of Satan. Weak and afraid in the face of the creator God. We don't have any reason to be afraid 
of Satan. Satan may do all of the things that he did to Job, but the reality is the Lord gives. And the Lord will give again. We serve a God who is in this fight with us, standing beside us on the battlefield, not watching from afar, not uh, distant and, and manipulative. He's not a Machiavellian tyrant who toys with us and tests us for his own enjoyment, who believes that the only way to teach patience is by killing people in his family, Job's family. He's not sitting there thinking, I need to teach Job righteousness, so I'm going to strike him with boils. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Satan actively attacked God and actively attacked Job, and both God and Job were caught in the confines of a complex universe, a war-torn universe, as they fight for righteousness against all fronts together. You and I, guys, we're fighting this war with Job and with God. But please, let's make no mistake about the fact. God's not responsible for the violent acts that happened against... It's not God testing Job. It's God at war with Job, beside Job, allied with Job, arm in arm, hand in hand, as they stand against Satan. And that's exactly where God is with you today. God's not responsible for your suffering. God doesn't tempt and test by torturing and causing you pain. No, God is a God who is under the same attacks that you are under. He's in the same war that you're in right now. And he chose, remarkably, to ally with you, 